Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thank you for joining us here this morning. I'm Micah. This is Sarah. We're the lead pastors at the Vine Church, and we are honored to get to spend this time with you today. Absolutely. So glad to be here. We are going back to the book of Ephesians today. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the churches around the Ephesus area. And in the first half of the letter, Paul describes what God has accomplished through Jesus. And then in the second half of the letter, which we're in now, Paul describes the church and what it means to be the church, what it looks like to be the church in light of what God has already accomplished. Yeah, so last week as we begin chapter four, the second half of the book of Ephesians, uh, Paul begins to shift towards now instruction. So he'd mm -hmm. gone from what Christ has done to now this is what it looks like to live into what is, God has done and live mm -hmm. as a part of the church and a part of the mission of God. And last week he talked about unity. He said the first thing, uh, the, Jesus the Spirit has created unity. It, it has been established within the church. Now he says make every effort to keep the unity is what he challenged us to last week. And this week, Paul's going to talk about something different. Um, it reminded me as we were studying and talking about this, it reminded me of a trip we took a few years ago before we had children. We went to Italy to visit my parents and we actually went with uh, Micah's family and then my family met us there and we did some sightseeing and touring around and I was thinking about that trip and it was it was fun and we each brought something different to we each brought different skills you know I spoke a little bit of Italian still speak a little bit of Italian I was born in Italy and so I asked a lot of questions I read the signs I helped interpret things Micah on the other hand came with a different set of skills. He brought his adventurous spirit and his love of chaotic driving. Ah, yes. <laughs> so what we did is we, we came into Southern Italy, I believe it was Naples, mm -hmm. and we rented a van that we could all fit in and no one wanted to drive the van except for Micah. Yes. And he was practically giddy with excitement about driving mm -hmm. in Southern Italy. Now, if you've ever been to Naples, Naples you know that um, it's a little bit chaotic or a lot chaotic on the streets. The streets weren't built for all the traffic that exists there. And so they're just packed with cars and people and people yelling and honking. And, and the way you determine if you have the right of way is whether or not you get there first and whether or not you can squeeze your vehicle in that space without scratching other vehicles. So while I'm sitting in the passenger seat with my, my white knuckling it here, uh, Micah is just excited and he's doing, he did a great job driving through, through Naples. And in the end, it worked out really well. I helped navigate and he drove and we got to the places we needed to get safely. Yeah, so Paul is making this tran transition. He's saying there is unity within the church, but everyone has different roles, different places, and it all comes together in a cohesive way. Here we are in uh, chapter four, verse seven. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Uh, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. He's quoting Psalm 168. Uh, what does he ascend mean? Paul is speculating on this passage. 
except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. He's speaking of Jesus. His, um, uh, he's speaking of his uh, uh, incarnation, uh, that is him coming to earth, and then he's speaking of Jesus' ascension, that is rising up into heaven to see to be seated at the right hand of God. And he starts off here by saying that to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it to each one of us. And so he says to all of you believers, to all of us believers, not just a select few, grace, this unmerited gift Mm -hmm. has been given to us. And often when we talk about grace, we're talking about salvation. Mm -hmm. We're talking about eternal life. And yes, that also is an unmerited gift that we've been given, that we have received. But here Paul's specifically referring to specific talents and callings that he's going to explain. And he says, you've been given um, this grace as Christ apportioned it, a variety of gifts, a variety of callings to a variety of people. And Paul's going to continue to talk about the, the diverse gifts that have been given within the church. Yeah, and he's going to describe diversity and yet unity and cohesion amongst Mm -hmm. all these different working parts. So listen to how he describes it. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Take a breath after that sentence, right? (laughs) Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Paul starts off here by saying that that Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the the pastors, the teachers. So first he describes in the previous verses how the believers have received gifts from God. And now Paul describes the people with these various gifts and these various talents and callings and these abilities and functions. He describes those people as gifts to the church. So it's we who have been Um, given this grace by God, who have been gifted, as we use those gifts, then those believers become gifts to the church. Yeah. Okay. So um, this fivefold gifting, you might've heard conversation about that. You can go online and take little tests and say, so where do I fit into that the most? And Paul's going to describe these five things. Now he does this in different uh, letters, mm-hmm. right? He describes the church and different roles within it, and he doesn't always describe the exact same right. ones. This isn't necessarily a comprehensive list and the only ones mm-hmm. and the ones that you have to have. However, they are significant enough that he lists them here in it. So let's briefly touch base on those. He mentions the apostles. Now, the apostles in uh, early century terms would refer both to the 12 apostles, the closest people to Jesus. It means quite literally just eyewitnesses. So those that walked with Jesus, heard him teach, those that he corrected as they misunderstood, right? These are the 
apostles. But maybe in broader terms, uh, people would be hearing a, a different concept when they hear the term apostles. Because, in fact, this is not a church term or a biblical term uh, in nature, but it was a military term. And it referred to a fleet of soldiers sent out to accomplish a specific task. And so that word was adopted by the church and by Jesus saying, you know, these 12, they will be mine sent out to begin this mm. task. But in a broader sense, a mission continues that people live into with some sort of apostolic calling here and now today as well. A sent people. I like mm -hmm. that. And then Paul um, lists prophets. So these are people who are inspired by the Holy Spirit to speak the words of God. And Paul describes in 1 Corinthians how these prophets speak to strengthen and encourage and comfort the people of God. And so prophets um, have the ability, the giftedness to see what's going on in our communities and in our cultures and then to speak into that, the words of God, the truths of God. Okay. And then the evangelists. And this word uh, literally means those that bring the good news, mm -hmm. right? And so the evangelists are those going particularly to unchurched people to bring this new message to people, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel message. And then Paul lists pastors. Now, sometimes when we think of pastors, we think of someone who has a specific position within a church, like a paid staff member. This word is much broader. It, it means shepherd. Um, so someone who takes care of people or the flock, who feeds the flock, cares for the flock, protects the flock. So it's a much broader term than, say, solely a on-staff position at a church. It is referring to people who look after others, who take care of others within the church. Yeah, and then the term teachers actually in the Greek, are these two are kind of closely related, the pastors and teachers. But there is this distinct role um, of teachers, those that will um, uh, build up the body, teach the body, that people would come to a deeper understanding of who Christ is, what God has done. And certainly in our Gentile churches, like in Ephesus, mm -hmm. there would be a lot of backstory that new people coming into the church that are not Israelites would need to understand about God and how he has worked and how he is now working through Jesus and the church. So Paul um, lists these people. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers um, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. So the purpose of these specific um, people and gifts that he lists here is to equip God's people. And I love that because it highlights the communal nature of the church. It's not about a handful of people with these special gifts and they get to do it all. Rather, um, here God is equipping a few to help equip others that all, um, all of God's people would be equipped and for a specific purpose, not just for their own betterment. It's not just a self-help program, but equipped for works of service to build the body up. So we have one people, and we talked a lot about that last week, the unity aspect, one faith. So we have one people with all these different abilities and gifts 
working together. Yeah, in fact, he goes on in 13 to finish that thought talking about unity. Uh, He says, until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So he has equipped these people to lead in these specific ways to equip the church then to serve and to engage all of this towards unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. And that the church might become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This idea of maturity is like growing up to be like Christ. The church as a whole with its individual members and also as a whole um, becoming living demonstrations of the characteristics of Jesus, of the qualities and attributes of Jesus, living like Jesus. Yeah, I love this idea both of we and becoming mature. You know, uh, the process of maturing is not always a grace, graceful and beautiful process. I think awkward. of yeah, my adolescent years. Uh, but he describes us as the church in these terms, those that are becoming mature in our faith, that are growing up. And I like this, uh, I, I like this uh, concept both for people new to faith and for those of us that have been a part of a faith community for a long, long time. We've not attained it, uh, Mm -hmm. either individually or communally. We are still learning to grow up into the fullness of Jesus Christ. We are still Mm -hmm. maturing and growing both in our knowledge and our our experience. Mm -hmm. Paul continues in verse 14, and he writes, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Ah, blown here and there (laughs) by the wind. You've never experienced that, right? I've experienced. This is one of the more shameful stories I will ever tell on a camera. Um, I don't know if you've ever uh, ridden through the Columbia River Gorge and seen the kiteboarders out there. Uh, That is, they're standing on a wakeboard, um, and they have a kite that is powering them through the water. And uh, on a good windy day and with the right equipment, uh, they can dive that kite into the power zone, and it'll lift them some 20 or 30 feet off the ground, and then they'll gracefully float back and continue on their way in the river. Looked pretty amazing to me. So, we bought some kites and some boards uh, used in Hood River. We drove back and to the Tri-Cities. And by he doesn't mean me, okay? It's nope. him and his brother, one yeah. of his brothers. Drive back to the Tri-Cities with our equipment. So excited to learn how to fly these kites, <laughs> to try them out. Well, can you believe it? For weeks, there was no wind in the Tri-Cities. How does that happen in the Tri-Cities? At any rate, finally a windy day. Now, we had bought big kites knowing that the wind here isn't quite as consistent as it is in Hood River. So we bought big kites that'll work in low wind situations. I didn't check how hard the wind was blowing. <laughs> Turns out it was a bit of a storm out there. We get to the park, I, uh, I unfold and blow up the leading edge of the kite. Uh, a friend out in the park says, let's do it. Now I am latched into a harness and uh, physically attached to this massive kite that launches into the air. And the moment it went up, it lifted me some five feet off the ground and uh, I came back down for a moment in an absolute panic. I, I mean, I felt it. This is way too much wind and way too big a kite. I did the worst thing you could possibly do, which is dive the kite straight down into the wind, into the power. 
at which time uh, I was lifted some 20, 30 feet off the ground. I land some 30 yards from where I had begun, and I'm drug on my stomach across this park until my kite finally comes crashing down. By the grace of God, I had no control over it. Comes crashing down in the middle of a soccer field where a bunch of kids dived on top of it so it didn't lift off and uh, take me away again. I'd been drugged across the asphalt walking paths and everything, and all I could think of to say is I look up, like I'm barely, I I'm lucky to be alive. I'm like, that was amazing. <laughs> oh, I wish I'd been there. I wish I had a video of this. I know what it's like to be blown about by the wind. And fortunately, Paul is describing here a maturity that we come to in community that will prevent that. Also, I sold all my kiteboarding equipment so I can avoid it in that respect as well. That was very wise yeah. of you. That was very wise. Paul here is, is writing about being blown about by false teachings and by defeats, deceitful schemes of cunning and crafting, uh, cunning and craft, the cunning and craftiness of people. There we go. I got it. You know, and this reminds me of Jesus's words as Jesus quotes Deuteronomy and he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind and with all, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. Faith is not about blindly believing without question and without reason. Part of loving God with our minds is to ask questions, to analyze, to discuss, to to wrestle with hard truths and with mysteries that are also hard to understand and to learn. And all this with the Spirit um, in us, the Holy Spirit empowering us to discern what is from God and what is not from God. What should we really hold on to and what should we let go of? And Paul here is saying that when you're mature, when you grow up um, in Jesus, grow up to this fullness then you won't be tossed about and beat up by these false teachings and by these deceitful schemes that are that are blowing about around you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then he continues, um, instead, instead of being blown about or instead of being deceived by other people, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Now, I want to just briefly pull out this phrase, speaking the truth in love, because um, at times this has been used kind of abusively. Like, mm -hmm. I can say anything and be as hurtful as I want because I feel like I have some truth claim in this situation. And I hope you've not experienced that. If not, then this might not resonate with you. But I do want to clarify, the purpose of this statement is that in love, we will be building each other up not tearing each other down. So yes, there is truth. And yes, we will speak truth to each other. However, in all of that, the pursuit mm -hmm. is unity through love. And then as we do that, as we speak the truth in love, we grow up to become the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. And this is a really beautiful metaphor. So Christ is the head, the one who directs. And then the church, the believers, are the body of Christ. And they are to embody the characteristics and the attributes and the qualities of Jesus. And, and we're not to be an immature body, but rather a mature body. I don't know if you've ever watched 
a toddler learning how to walk for the first time. Their little heads, their little brains tell their bodies they want to go somewhere. And so then they try to move this body and usually they get frustrated and they stumble and they fall and sometimes they hurt themselves, but they keep at it. And through practice and growth and continued learning, their little bodies develop and they're able to do and to be what the head is is asking of them. And I see this mm -hmm. in our flow at the Vine Church. You'll hear us say, belong, believe, become. And in that order, we've, as a, as a body, as a family, we've been invited to belong in the family of God. And as we belong, we, we are invited to believe, to see and to experience all the things that God has accomplished through Jesus. And then through growth and learning and divine transformation by the Holy Spirit, we're invited to become the mature body of Christ, engaging our lives and our community, the different communities that we're involved in, um, while we're embodying these characteristics of Jesus, to love people like Jesus loves people, to care for people like Jesus cares for people, to see people the way God sees people. Yeah, and, and he says in here, the church builds itself up in love. And I think this is an interesting statement and phrase, to build itself up. Now, nothing the church does is to be done outside of Jesus and the work of the Spirit in our lives and God's direction for the church. Nothing is outside of that. However, it again, like last week, highlights the intentional action and posture of us in conforming to the will of God as a church or for the church. So in love, we build ourselves up, build each other up. The church might grow, mm -hmm. that it might expand, that his kingdom might grow in this world. So yeah, he continues that um, that metaphor from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up mm -hmm. in love eat as each part does its work. And I love that last phrase, as each part does its work. Everyone who belongs to the family of God, everyone has a place and everyone has a purpose in the body. Each part matters. Each part has value and each part contributes in some way to the collective whole. Yeah. So the big picture, what Paul's saying in the section, unity, maturity, fullness in Christ, this is the goal for the church. This is his goal for you as the church. This is his goal for the church as a whole, as a global movement. Uh, unity, maturity, and fullness. And this is achieved because Christ has gifted people and given those people as gifts to the church. So we find ourselves today asking, what does that mean in my life? You know, we. what does that mean in our lives? It means that we each belong we are each needed. Each of us is gifted by grace through the Holy Spirit and called to participate in the community of God. So we are invited today, you and I, all of us, we're invited to seek ways to engage with our giftedness in the church. We are invited um, to, to serve. We're all called to serve and to embody who Jesus is, to be this living demonstration of him who is the head. And we're not just talking about Sunday here. Church isn't just, you know, two hours on Sunday. When we talk about 
getting involved in church and in the community, it's it's all the time. It's our whole lives. You know, how do we engage in Christian community throughout the week? How do we connect to each other and grow together in our faith, in our understanding, in our trust? How do we build each other up? And I know in my experience, and maybe maybe in your experience too, um, we often need other people to act almost like a mirror to us and point out our giftedness. Sometimes it's it's a lot easier to see giftedness in other people than in ourselves. But we need people to say, hey, you're really good at this. You're really good at teaching or you're really good at drawing people together. You're really good at sitting with those who are hurting to peep for people to point out our giftedness and encourage us, nudge us um, towards engaging and using that. And so today I want to invite us to engage in Christian community and to encourage each other to, to use our unique giftedness. Absolutely. And so one way to move towards maturity is through participation mm-hmm. or maybe practice like yeah. the illustration of a child you shared, shared earlier. So find ways, absolutely engage. And as we practice these rhythms mm-hmm. of walking with Jesus, walking in community, we are moving towards maturity and fullness. I think the other aspect of moving towards maturity and fullness is going to be the knowledge aspect of it, mm-hmm. growing in our understanding of who God is, who Jesus Christ is, who the Spirit is, and how the Spirit's working in our lives today, what Jesus is doing in the world around us today. Mm-hmm. So there is that maturity and knowledge as well. And so I'd just appeal to you. I'd beg you, spend time growing. I mean, what we get to do to, here together in a few minutes on a Sunday, this is great. It's a good way to learn and be drawn into Scripture. But it's something we're invited to participate in day in and day out, to pick up our Bibles and spend time reading, to spend time in prayer or spend time just in silence and stillness in the presence of our Father who loves us. So I'd encourage you, participate, yes, get involved, and also seek to further understand and know the God that has invited you into this beautiful, unified, and maturing thing that is the church. I love that. Let's pray together. Dear God, we just thank you for this opportunity, Lord, the the blessing of being invited um, into your family, being called to participate and to be a part of to belong and to believe and to become. Lord, we ask, Spirit, we ask that you would transform us, that you would teach us, Lord, that you would help us to put into practice um, what we are learning from you, put into practice um, what it looks like to be the church and to love each other and to, to, to love our community around us. God, we just open ourselves up to you and we ask for your wisdom and your spirit in us to empower us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, friends. Well, thank you again for joining us today. It's great to be with you. We pray that you have a blessed week. Bye. Bye.